0: Hello and welcome to Pitch Black, the show that discusses soccer and African-American culture nationally and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we're going to talk about who I am and why I made this podcast. Also, I'll talk about soccer in the United States and the black movement that is needed within it. Welcome back, and as promised, I wanted to give a little bit of background history into who I am and why I started this podcast. I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, Um, and for local black men, that means you're thinking about football, basketball, and or track as the sports you're going to participate in. If you don't, then you'd better have musical talent to join a school band. (laughs) Otherwise, you'll fall down the social ladder very quickly. And for me, I jumped into the football scene in my junior and senior years of high school. And then I eventually walked into my Division I college football team. There, I began to learn the strategy behind coaching, primarily. I was not a starter. uh, Pretty much a practice squad guy. So learning what the coaches were doing and how they set up practice, set up game film, and whatnot really helped out. Because after college, I became an assistant coach with several high schools, whether they were the well-established ones or even the startup programs. I had experienced many victories and all the heartbreaking defeats, but ultimately, I was glad to see many of my players move on to college t- careers and even a few go to the NFL, which is definitely a highlight. I eventually took an athletics director's job for one of the new charter schools that had popped up in the city at the Katrina and there, my biggest challenge lay ahead since I was in charge of creating an entire athletics department. Yes, I kid you not, an entire athletics department. It wasn't just one team. It was create multiple teams, come up with the funding. But uh, the way that I am, I like those type of challenges. So this was definitely outside of my wheelhouse, and I needed to step up to the game. And... With a sizable amount of international students at this school, and when I say international, Central, South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, pretty much everywhere other than Australia and Antarctica, I decided to begin with soccer. I knew that it was the top sport around the world, and that was it. That's pretty much it. I could probably give you a few names just because I had heard it during a World Cup in 2010, but I knew essentially nothing about it. You kick the ball. You score a goal, everything's one point. The end. That's all I knew. And I specifically remember as the season went on, there was one local black kid that joined the team. His friends would make fun of him for playing soccer, and eventually, I just asked him, well, you know, why? Why did you? Why did you join? And I replied, you know, Coach Wilson. Although I wasn't the coach. But they like to call me Coach Wilson just because I guess it's like a a formal way to talk to the athletic director. And he said, Coach Wilson, I'm a senior and I originally wanted to play basketball, but since the team wasn't created yet, he wasn't just going to sit around. And that was actually a very good answer. I didn't even think about it that way instead of whining and complaining that there wasn't a basketball team he decided to take his free time and join something that was already established and take on a challenge just like I did so I started seeing a little bit of myself in him now he was not a great individual soccer player at all but he had natural athletic skills and that made up for the lack of fundamentals in the soccer game and as the season went on I became impressed by his growth And I also became curious at all the things that he had overcome. I started thinking about how good would he have been had he played for the past 10 years or even the past four years. Afterwards, I started reflecting on myself and thought, why did it take me until the age of 30 to learn this game? So... Eventually, as I usually do with many journals and notepads, I went to write down all the reasons that I could think of, of what inhibits black kids from playing soccer. The reasons included finances, racism, and culture, just to name a few. So eventually I did decided to write a book that would just take what I researched and put it into an easy to distribute format, a-, a book. obviously. Talking about it and debating about it in conversations just never helped out when I needed something very concise. Now, I know this sounds like a shameless plug, but that is a perk of having your own podcast. So I made the book and I titled it Pitch Black, America's Missing Soccer Players. Now, it's a play on the term pitch, which is another name for a soccer field and the lack of black players on it. Now, my goal was to get the word about out about this ongoing missed opportunity opportunity and develop dialogue on how to bring more athletes into a wonderful game, so this was geared towards the young kids that not necessarily or could not necessarily fit into the football and basketball scene. Football is one of those games at a certain point, you have the physical ability, and it doesn't matter if you have the fundamentals if you're super fast and super strong you're going to beat out many players. The same thing with basketball. You can have all the ball handles in the world. You're probably going to get beat out by the 15-year-old kid on your team that's 6'4 and growing. So this gave an outlet for kids that did not fit into that natural mold or that New Orleans mold of what sports you're going to play as a black male. Also... This was to reach the parents to show them you don't have to get upset if your child does not perform in those traditional sports. There are many other outlets and by all means, there's other things they can do, such as wrestling, uh, tennis, and I'll talk about those at some other time. Now, with that being said, you can go into depth with what I found out by buying my book on Amazon or you can download it for free if you have Kindle. Now. When I come back, I'll dive into blacks in new sports. Okay, welcome back. And the next topic I wanted to get into, as I mentioned, was blacks in new sports. So when I say new sports, uh, I don't mean quidditch or table tennis or anything like that. While those can be very good, but I I mean on the national level uh, over the past, say, 20 to 30 years... Um, More African-Americans have broken into such sporting uh, leagues as the NHL or um, tennis or golf or even NASCAR. Uh, Such players as Bubba Wallace, uh, Lewis Hamilton, Tiger Woods obviously is a big name, uh, Venus and Serena, uh, Williams, um, and more. So it just always made me wonder whether some of these players learn from And as I mentioned, when I did my research, as far as the legacy or what we've learned from our parents, those were some of the things that are some of the reasons why black children did not learn certain sports because their parents had no interest or no knowledge in those sports themselves. When you take the Williams sisters' uh, dad... He didn't play tennis. He was not a tennis player initially. He became a tennis coach primarily because he watched VHS tapes of tennis instruction. So this was not top quality schools. This wasn't top facilities. It was a tennis racket, a ball, renting out a tennis court and teaching his daughters how to play. Him himself, someone who was not a pro of any level he was an amateur uh that would be the equivalent of someone going on to a cooking show because they read enough cookbooks and surprisingly now Venus and Serena are arguably some of the top players in tennis history and so on same thing with Tiger Woods and other players so the question is why do we have the same opportunity with soccer but we take step backwards uh we limit ourselves and say oh that's not what black people play even though you have a large amount of black uh whether it's of african descent um players on rosters in the mls and overseas why do we still inhibit ourselves why are we still looking at this as a barrier that we cannot overcome it's a white sport now Understandably, in America, it's become high price. It's become the term the soccer mom would obviously give anyone uh, the immediate image of a white female with her white children that are going to play soccer. It's the soccer mom. But as with back with baseball, Jackie Robinson, and to the recent examples that I gave you, why are we taking this opportunity and saying, no, we can't do this. I don't know enough about it. It's not about knowing enough about it right now. If I were to have a child and I didn't know enough about soccer or anything about soccer, that child will never learn if I don't give them the opportunity. We say to our kids, uh, hey, I want you to have a better life than me. That also includes knowing more things or having knowledge about things, having the opportunity to gain that knowledge. So my theory or my opinion, I should say, is the more we give black children the opportunity to play those sports, regardless of if we know what's going on or not, because I will tell you from coaching, there are so many parents that are in the stands that think they know anything about football coaching, and they know almost nothing, almost nothing. And we've seen, the you know, the tyrant parents, you know, just blow up with the temper at sporting events. It's the same thing. They're not going to know everything or much of anything about the sport, but it's not their job. It's to give them the opportunity, support them on trying something that they could be good at. Maybe even so much that. could just like it even if they're not good so having that opportunity is a big thing i i just seen the the evidence of it in so many sports happen so much that this is the time for it to happen it's it's a growing sport in the united states It's reaching out into different communities as far as urban areas it's still one of the cheapest sports that you should be able to play and i think once parents, as a big force, get involved and give more allowance to their children to do soccer events and just acknowledge it as a sport that they can support, we'll see a big change. I, maybe 10 years from now because nothing happens overnight. But when it happens, I really feel that the United States won't be the joke Anymore, as far as m- most resources, uh, as far as far as training and nutrition in the world, third largest population. But when it comes to the, the world's most popular sport, we were the laughing stock, and I I feel that black players aren't necessarily the answer because I'm not going to put down the players amongst other ethnicities because I think maybe there's a hidden market as far as. Vietnamese players or other uh, ethnicities that aren't the traditional Hispanic or white players. But I think the more athletes that you put into that pool, the higher quality you will get. It won't just be the best of what you have available or that's intra; It'll be the best that you have as far as your quality throughout the whole country. So that's just a little food for thought. Uh, I'll be back to go over some of the MLS um, players that are really making big names for themselves. Uh, obviously, black players and even some from overseas uh, that are doing well this year. And um, we'll get into that and we'll be right back. Now, on the third segment of today's show. It's going to deal with league play on various levels. For starters, the MLS is back. Again. That's just a bit of play on the 2020 salvage season, which I am grateful for. But, on to 2021. Shout out to Chicharito. Five goals in two games. Amazing skills and evidence that the U.S. is, once again, way behind Europe. I say that since another European league retiree ties or sets records in the MLS. Great for ratings, but the player gap just isn't closing in yet. Finally, a bit of UCL news. Young phenom Kylian Mbappe and company at PSG find themselves in a bit of a hot water, giving up a 1-0 first half lead to Manchester City in the first leg of their semi-final. I have my fingers crossed for a comeback performance on May the 4th when they go back to Manchester in Etihad Stadium. Now, that's all for today's podcast. It was an honor doing this first and interesting podcast at that. I look forward to more. See you all next time so we can kick it together. Hello and welcome to Pitch Black the show that discusses soccer and African-American culture in the U.S. and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we'll discuss black players in Italy, HBCUs in soccer, and Black Arrow FC. Welcome back. So I'm going to start off by talking about black players in Italy. So a good segue from the NFL draft that happened a few weeks ago, um, I wanted to talk about some of the players that had certain body types. We go through the whole measurements thing in the NFL Combine as far as their height, strength, speed, their weight. So there's actually this player named Romelu Lukaku. Yes, Romelu Lukaku. I know it's a bit difficult to pronounce and probably even more difficult to spell, but he's definitely been an inspiration for me. A guy that's born in Belgium, striker for a team called... Inter Milan. That'll be in Italy. He recently played for Manchester United, one of the top grossing clubs as far as financial worth in the world. So he plays for International Milan right now. Incredible guy, six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds. Uh, the reason why I like him so much is because he resembles my body type. I'm about six one, two hundred and thirty pounds. We both look like. You know, wide receivers, linebackers, strong safeties. And the reason why I mentioned that, as far as something being relevant, is that there aren't certain specific body types in soccer that one has to fill. So when you're playing football, as I used to do, you had to fit a certain body type. If you didn't, you weren't going to play or you weren't even going to be looked at by the coach. So this helps out any player, whether they're in college or high school or even younger, to realize that they don't have to feel self-conscious about their body type. So, uh, as I mentioned, Lukaku, Belgian-born, uh, from Zaire, this country in Africa, World Cup participant, Manchester United, Inter Milan, and recently he was the League Cup winner for the Serie A. For those who don't know, Serie A is the league championship club in italy it's pretty much the top level and the most recent winners and when i say the most recent winners are from turin a team called juventus how good are they nine straight years of winning nine straight years and this last year they added one of the top players in football history uh, cristiano ronaldo but besides that because i can go on about him for many many episodes They added another guy who has even more local ties. His name is Weston McKinney. So what's so unique about Weston McKinney? Well, Weston McKinney is from America. He's from Texas. And when I say from Texas, a place called Little Elm, Texas. So this isn't even your Houston, San Antonio, Dallas. This is Little Elm, Texas. Now, this guy was born into a military family, grew up in germany for about 10 or 11 years and played on one of the smaller teams as far as their youth leagues moved to the united states uh, at around 2009 and you can fact check me on that so he but he was 11 when he moved to the usa and he was 19 when he became a pro in the bundesliga that's the german league That's their top league. So each country tends to have like the top league, just like the United States has the NBA, and I'm sure other countries have their versions um, of their basketball leagues. So, fast forward. Why does it matter? Why is it so significant that this guy, Weston McKinney, as a black man from the United States, is on this level? Well, as I mentioned in my book, Pitch Black, America's Missing Soccer Stars, Finances tend to be one of the deciding factors of why African-American males want to go into certain sports. They see the money in football. They see the money in basketball. Some even see the money in baseball. But for some reason, seeing the money in soccer is just completely dismissed. Uh, So I did a little deep digging um, into the salaries. So I went to salary sport and got his contracts through his years of being there. Um, And obviously some of these numbers are going to look kind of weird just because they're in Euros, so I did translate them into American dollars for all you American listeners out there. So to start off, in 2017, when he was on the practice squad, uh, the second level team in the German league, at age 18, his salary was $25,000. Now may say, "Oh, well, is that really anything significant? You know, you can make more money playing in NBA. Well, keep in mind, this would be the equivalent of him going to college and most colleges spend less than that. This is $25,000. He's playing against top players in the world. He obviously has room and board. He has all of his finances taken care of. He's a pro even though it's the second level. So, $25,000. And as I also mentioned in my book, he had the opportunity to grow and do better. Do better, make more money. And lo and behold, that's what he did. Because his next year, he moved up to the top team called Shalky um, and made a salary of $570,000 for 2018 and for 2019. Now keep in mind, he's 19 and 20 making over half a million dollars. He wouldn't even be able to do that in football because he wouldn't be eligible as far as age to play. And I can even say the same thing probably for the NBA because their restrictions on the one-year rule, he wouldn't have made any money. He would have been in college working for a collegiate team under the guise of being paid as a scholarship, which is good in its own right. But obviously, he's demonstrated that he can make a lot more. So $570,000. So we're at over a million dollars in three years. Over a million dollars in three years. Third, fourth year, 2020. Plays most of the year for Schalke before he gets on loan to Juventus. But during that last year in the Bundesliga in Germany, $2.34 million at the age of 21. point three four. 2021, with Juventus in Italy, $2.5 million. So, that's obviously a considerable amount for some kid who was a military family, lived in Texas, worked his way through the FC Dallas and MLS uh, Youth Academy, decided to forego a full scholarship to the University of Virginia to play. So my hat goes out to this guy because he's been a big inspiration. I see him a lot on one of the few platforms that you're able to watch these games on on ESPN Plus. They have the Bundesliga, the German league. They have Serie A, the Italian league that you can watch, and it's it's such so refreshing to not only see a fellow African American playing on the top level, playing on the same field, the same team as I mentioned, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best players in the world. It's great to also hear that American name, which whether you want to admit it or not, you tend to like to hear that familiar name or that familiar sounding American name when you hear it, especially in a sport that you don't normally associate Americans with. So I implore you to go out there and do your research. Find someone. I'm going to always have more names for you. Do your research. Figure out. What black players are out there, primarily African-Americans, that way you can be inspired and do some research and figure out what brought them there, what motivated them. So that's the end of that segment. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about HBCUs, that's Historically Black Colleges, and soccer, and why is it missing? Talk to you soon.